Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Played in Full, part of the Touchline Media Group. I am one of your three hosts today. I go by the name of CJ Edwards from where the Villa and Blues play. I am joined today by two of my other co-hosts, Scullivan P. Johnson and Jude, not to be confused with Jude Bellingham. How are you guys doing today? Very happy to be here, actually. And how Even you? though I, I feel like I look really tired. <laughs> yeah, you do. Can't lie. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. It's been it's been a minute for me. I've been away on family duty and wedding mm-hmm. duty, so missed uh, a few pods. But yeah, man, I'm excited. There's been some amazing films and TV shows and documentaries. It's good to have actually. You we, were, we were away last week because myself and Jude were actually ill, and Ross was ill and ross was ill actually the only person who was alive was cj and it was his birthday yes he's now the wrong side of 25 he can officially whoa they didn't need to know that i'm still the baby of this part but yes i did turn 26 why scared men who are scared of sharing their real age yeah no 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 i'm not i'm not but you see (laughs) my thing yeah see you next year um, I'm just pl- I'm putting like I'm gonna say happy birthday to this little guy. I'm gonna put a picture, babe, picture of myself, and then scissor twenty something's gonna be playing in the background because no one needs to know my age until I'm thirty. Why are what you scared? Of, why are you scared of getting older? When you said I'm baby, you older. raised both of your eyebrows like twice. No, 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 because I just do that and like it's a thing. I just do that. Sorry, you're just mad excited to be. Yeah. The anyway, but yeah, I'm the I'm the I'm the youngin of this pod. Um. I'm the one that's gonna, you know, when you guys die and go away, I'm gonna the one who's gonna like carry on because you know, you're four years younger than us. That means you're quite unlikely to like outlive us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be real. Yeah. Be, <laughs> <be> real. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I'd have, I'd have probably had the worst house problems in the pod. So this is what. But anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking all fi- all things film and TV today. We're also going to be talking about the amazing, legendary David Beckham documentary that just dropped on Netflix. <laughs> so, 
But first, let's get into some film and TV news. So I'm going to hand this over to Jude. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. So obviously we have, we've had a few things happen within the news. I feel like the most, it's not really surprising. We all knew it was coming. Michael Caine ended up retiring at the age of 90. After a career that actually spans seven decades in which he won two Oscars, even though he said that he's going to retire a few times before, now yeah. we actually know his career's actually come to an end. And yeah, man, like I feel like that is news amongst others. I think we also we also missed uh, the week in which, oh, I, for, I forgot, he passed away recently. Dumbledore. Oh yes, Dumbledore. Ah, yes. Yes. Yeah, the actor who plays Dumbledore. Yeah, yeah, the guy. The the, the guy who plays the second Michael Dumbledore. Gambon. Michael Gambon, right? Yeah. Michael yeah. Gambon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he also passed away. Do you know what it is? It feels like all that all those Harry Potter actors are passing away. First it was um Snape, then it was um Hagrid, now it's Dumbledore, and then obviously the the lady, I can't remember her name, and I, I know she's like you know. On the, the from what what was what's the actor what character did she play? Um, she plays the female the female um, uh, I can't remember her name man. She's the she's the nice one the teacher from like Scotland or somewhere or Wales. She's oh movie. yeah, what is it the the one with the big glasses or the big lenses rather? No no no, she's only got the hat on. Maggie she's Smith, it's Maggie Smith. Smith. Yeah, she's uh, yeah. Like, I know about Maggie old. Smith. She's a G. Yeah, she's a G, but she's like old as well. You remember, she's in you remember, uh, Downton Abbey, and she's in Sister Act. She's a G in Sister Act. Yeah, she's a real East Londoner. See me, yeah. I don't. So for the listeners, I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan. I've watched them, I've read them. I was just a big reader in school, and I just didn't get it. I was just like, there's so many books better than this. I never really got into Harry Potter, mm. and, but they did have some amazing casting, some amazing actors involved. And yeah, Maggie Smith, I wouldn't know her from um Harry Potter, but I know her from Bear Things. That like Bear Things. I think she's actually a sick actress. I'm Real East London representer, man. She's cold. Um yeah, but yeah. No, I, I um, love how this this just transitioned from Michael came retiring to the past ways of Yeah, Harry she's Potter. she's like eight, she's like eighty, eighty eight. So You know what yeah, also yeah. just that reminded me of like the first yeah. Dumbledore actually even passed away over 20 years ago Richard Harris I remember when they were actually filming the, they were filming one of the ones yeah. when they passed, I'm sure yeah it's sad and then that's when Michael Gambon like took over mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah like um, back to Michael Caine yeah man his career is actually crazy when you consider he acted in over 130 different films and that included like the likes of Zulu Italian Job uh, I'm just he was only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> I'm just. I watch Italian job. jobs. I watch Italian job. I don't know why, yeah, but I was obsessed with that film. When I was yeah, because they always used to show on BBC Two. I think I watched yeah. it like eleven, twelve times. Yeah, no, uh, I get it. I get it. And for me, the Muppet, the the Muppet Christmas Carol was like, yeah, legendary Christmas film. Just always on the yeah. TV. Yeah, and yeah, just seeing him in a majority of Nolan's like later well in his later career but a majority of Nolan's film is just like such a presence and 
phenomenal actor. But you know what? Even in just doing my reading about like Michael Caine and like just you know going over the memories of his acting career, that just reminded me and many others of the other times that he claimed that he was going to retire. I think there's been like three, four times. But if you remember, he had a definite moment where he was going to retire in 2009. And yeah, that I remember that. Harry Brown. That was just after Batman. Yeah, no, it... Mm, was it? As in, no. it was... Yeah, because Batman, was it... Which one was the first one? Dark Knight Batman Rises? Begins. No, Batman, Batman Begins. Batman Begins. Yeah, yeah, that was what... Oh, that was like, what? Oh, six, maybe before even then? Mm, I'm trying to remember. That's 05. Yes, yes. That's early, yeah. I was thinking yeah, and then the Dark Knight. So the Dark Knight was 08. And he was in that. And uh, I remember yeah. him saying he was going to reply. And I was like, Retire, Matt. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it, was, it was Harry Brown was actually the film where he declared that, yeah, I'm going to retire. Do, do you both remember that film? Don't remember the film, now. That's yeah. why, for Harry me, Brown. I associate it with the Dark Knight. I see. Harry Brown's actually a really good film. I would actually suggest it's one of those films that kind of slipped under the radar, but for me, it showed like it showed a different side of like the working class London lifestyle. You could be. I did. I have seen Harry Brown. I've just, I have seen Harry Brown. I've just read up on it. It's the one with Plan B in it. Yeah. You remember? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a moment. I, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a, a moment. Obviously, we've, we've had like people from the scene or like big actors that try to transition into, you know, film. I thought that was going to be a moment where it opened up a space for, you know, a whole spread of type of people to have films like that. Like you had Plan B, really popular, really popular mu- musician in a film with the Michael Caine. It was just, it was just a moment in time, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and then yeah. what what kind of so obviously Michael Caine mm-hmm. you know we we respect him as he's retired he might come out and do one more film. But I think the- it's difficult as an actor oh. by the way before we move on just that like I feel like they want to act until they physically can't right so it's a yeah. different being an actor is different from being an athlete right like being an athlete you have to quit when your body says you have to quit I'm going to talk about that later when we talk about Beckham mm. but when you're an actor you essentially want to and feel like you can act until your mental facilities no longer have the capacity for it. And like, I guess there must be like a kind of internal battle of like, do I quit before, like when I find it's getting hard or do I let myself like go until I physically cannot anymore? And like, I guess the biggest thing as a fan is we don't want, actors to go so far that they're bringing themselves harm or putting themselves in danger like what has allegedly happened with the family of Bruce Willis and obviously how he's got some sort of early onset dementia and they're kind of just like they're putting they're basically putting airpods in his ears and reading him lines as he goes on set and like getting him to deliver and like sometimes he said he don't even know what's going on like he can't remember a film being filmed that's too much I didn't I didn't know it was it was that serious I didn't do my reading about that but yeah I knew those people felt uncomfortable with that situation. But do you know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of Top Gun Maverick. I hadn't seen a film in a long time with like featuring Val Kimmer. So when he came on screen and to see the state that he was in, like it was, it, it gave a different kind of aura to the scene, to the meaning of a film. 
he wanted to be there. And you could see mm. that even though he was going through his health problems, he was basically showing, yeah, like I'm still an actor. I still want to play this this character. I want to show that this can be done and it still mm. can be used and applied as, applied as art, you know? So I have like loads of respect for a spread of actors that choose to continue their craft and go through so many different things to just show different extensions of acting or filmmaking and what you can do with it. So, yeah. But yeah, moving on, I feel like we've, we've dwelled yeah. on that for quite long. The Invincibles trailer. Yeah. Invincible season, season two trailer came out and I love their Twitter account, by the way. I just feel like they're so interactive and they always just drop in like hints. So for instance, even I think it was yesterday or yeah, just over the weekend, they also announced that season three is basically done. So I guess that Invincible's here to stay and, you know, this wave of other superhero content beyond Marvel keeps on going. But yeah, what do you guys make of the trailer? I like, uh, thanks. I like, I like the trailer. I've uh, read some of the comics. I was really excited when this show got announced anyway on Amazon because mm. I read some of the comics. And like, I was like, this is sick if they do it justice. You know, like there's certain shows that like, yo, if you just, if we're just doing it for the sake of doing it, there's no point. Let's just cut it. But they've yep. really, I think what Amazon has actually done really well is in shows like The Boys and Invincibles, they've managed to bring alive comic book worlds without like sacrificing too much. Like they haven't censored too much. They haven't made it too watered down. Haven't made it too soft. It's just really good content. You get it? And I like, yeah. I'm a big fan of what they're doing with, with um, Invincible. I think they could make this a premiere show and keep it going for ages. There's another show that I think is really good on Amazon called Vox Machina. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, think, I, I don't know, man. I'm a big fan of Invincibles. I really want to see them go to the ills because when last season, when season one started, yeah, it was good and it was shocking, but it wasn't so extreme, yeah. Mm-hmm. That little one shot they did in between the seasons and yeah. the last episode of the season were all so extreme and so shocking. I was like, yeah, this is in the right hands. So I'm looking yeah. forward to it, man. I can't lie. Yeah, Invincibles is... It's been one of those things I've been tapped in since episode one. Like, I've, I just love it for them. I feel like they've built up something in this time, this Marvel-dominated era, Invincible and also the boys have kind of, like, stepped through as, yeah, as you said, like, super shocking, different, raw, and the way it's, like, shot and the story elements that are used it's just something very different and it's captivating. And yeah, I just want to see them go strength to strength. And I just yeah. felt Do you like think, um, yeah, carry on. Sorry. Go on, Scully. No, I was just going to say, do you think superhero content had to get more adult because we don't grow up or do you just think yeah. they just I think, found his way to tell us? More? I think, I think we all, we've all grown up with it now. And I think if you want to start somewhere, you can start with, I don't know, Avengers might uh, Earth Mightiest Heroes, and then you can go to like X Men Evolution, which is one of my favorite shows ever, by the way. Um, yeah, elite, and then um, you can go to like the the 90s Spider Man, uh, the 90s X Men, and then you can get to this kind of content. Um, did I like the Invincible trailer? I'll go back to the original question. Um, I did. Am I excited for it? Yes. Do I like the synopsis of the series? No. 
I am so That's interesting. We, we spoke about obviously the multiverse and, you know, I think we, we, we said like, we're all tired of it. And then like, I was like, yeah, I'm so gassed. And then I quickly realized, cause I remembered we spoke about it here that it's just going to be multiverse content. I'm like, Ugh, this can't be us. I don't want to see Omni-Man now until like the, the last episode, or I want to see him on the penultimate episode. And like, he just appears and you know that he's there just to remind you. Like, I, I don't want to see him in this series. So do what you need to do with the multiverse thing. Um, yeah. And then, and like, then I might be wrong. They might handle it right. And they might do the multiverse justice. But I'm just so multiversed out by Marvel. Um, I hear you. I don't like it. And then I think, obviously, that segues into kind of what, what Marvel have come into today. Well, a couple of days ago, sorry. Yeah. I hear you and I agree with the multiverse fatigue thing, but I also feel for them because that's not really their fault. And I feel like every superhero or even sci-fi world has a multiverse theory, right? Like, because especially if you're sci-fi based, you're going to be based on science and that is a scientific theory. I think as long as you handle yourself well, like certain things can be done well. Like look at Loki. I think Loki's sick. Everything everywhere all at once. But, Obviously, if it's handled poorly, then yeah, you're gonna get fatigued. So yeah, hundred, hundred, hundred. I think they'll do all right, man. I think um, they'll do all right. And then yeah, I was gonna say like Marvel obviously have come out and said they're gonna do shows very differently um, in the in the coming years. I think they said or in the coming months. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, they. <laughs> I've worked in TV in it. I've produced a few TV shows. Yeah. Big up, uh, big up, big up. See, hold on. Let me give you Give Scully his, his claps. You know what I mean? Right. When, the, when the headline came out, yeah, Marvel had been running the shows with no showrunners. I was like, I need to read this article because how are you producing a TV show with no showrunner? Like, nobody knows what's happening. You need to have a showrunner, yeah? What's a showrunner? You have like four or five, yeah? And they work in production and their thing is basically making sure the show follows a plan, a structure, and part of that is how it gets made. Part of it is what narrative does it tell? How does it reach our audience? Who is this supposed to be for? Yeah. And remember, I said, I don't think Marvel has fallen as far as people think it has. I think they're clearly just, they're, they're, they've got so much intellectual property, yeah? so much content, so much ideas, all these characters like Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, they can all appeal to different people. Yeah. And that's what they're trying to do. But the no showrunner thing shows that there was nobody who was saying, yo, we need this to appeal. Miss Marvel, you could have targeted that at women under 24, specifically women of color. And then She-Hulk, we're targeting this to women over 24, probably nine to fivers, have a job. Like, a showrunner would be making sure, like, how is this reaching our audience and doing all of this? They didn't have any of that. They kind of wanted to make their films quickly. Yeah. And like similar to their films. And they said, all right, cool. We're going to throw away all the ways people have made TV in the past, dash it out the window and do it our way, which I kind of understand. Yeah. But the problem is the thing about innovation is, yeah, not all innovation is good innovation. Sometimes there's a reason why people do things the way they do them. Do you get what I mean? Like, it's not good enough to just throw away the rule book. You have to have a reason why, you, like, you're trying this new thing. What makes it, like, 
better. And they clearly didn't have one. They've clearly felt the effects of that because they are going back to the traditional way of making TV. Mm -hmm. I just feel for all the people who've worked on like, for example, Daredevil, they nearly finished filming Daredevil and they said, actually, this is, this is ridiculous. So let's get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not really, they're not really analyzing this at all. It feels like they are winging it. And as you explained, like with a showrunner's job and responsibility, if you're set up in this way, how are you going to produce a coherent story that is hitting all of those markers? And it just feels like they want to hit that financial marker and target and it's become so lazy in terms of his storytelling. But the one thing I was going to say before we even move move on, I, I just wanted to like comment on like the evolution of a superhero or the idea, as you were saying, like with the um, Invincibles and, you know, the boys and stuff like that. It feels like, it feels like this is an idea or maybe most of the ideas we have in society now, we're siphoned in onto them so much because of like social media, the way things are being marketed. They're so in your face and they're unavoidable. But when you look at like the different types of ideas, such as, because we've always had the idea of a superhero for different generations, it was like the cowboy. It was like the um, the policeman. It was the, maybe even something like a, a firefighter or a pilot. We've had different eras of there being an anything that has absorbed the attention of the world. And it just feels like superheroes is having this turn. And you could even maybe look at like the different ways in which Westerns transformed over the years and decades. The early Westerns were much more like based on justice and stuff like that. You had like the the rangers who were going against the outlaws and they even had like a very racialized context there where the vaqueros were always the bad guys and Mexicans always perceived as the bad guys. And then as Westerns evolved, you had like spaghetti Westerns, like mm-hmm. Westerns filmed in Europe. You had sci-fi Westerns, extensions of the idea and different applications of it. And that evolves and changes what, it means to be like a cowboy. And so I think in the very same way, superheroes and the idea of it is going for its own evolution right now. And yeah, we're subjects to it. You've, you've helped me understand my own question in the sense that um, I believe like the, the reason why superheroes have to get older and they have to grow with us and all of this stuff. Yeah. Is because, um, the idea of a hero like you're saying is an old story and you need to you need to have it there you need to have it there for people to look for something see like the story of like old gods and like heroes hercules all of this gladiators that we all hear of the story of like 300 and uh those men leonidas going versus xerxes and like pirates and all of this stuff that we've learned yeah or like we had through time in recent years the people we looked up to yeah that might have been like the government and like soldiers in war and all of this stuff in 2023 we look at things through a different lens so those might not be the people we look up to but we still need something which has led to like maybe this adult superhero boom but um speaking of people that i looked up to like superheroes growing up yeah yeah motherfucking david beckham man 
ain't gonna lie, man. I ain't gonna hold you, man. I ain't gonna hold you, man. David Beckham was so close to making me a United fan. I'm not even gonna lie. I'll be real. I'll be. I'll say right here. It was. It was that close, man. It was this close. The only thing that saved me is I watched the Arsenal game with Henri and Beckham move mad. I said, "Yeah, these men are wavy." Could have been peak for me. Could have right, been in bondage yeah. with the Red Devils. You know I'll even let out a secret right now. Number seven was my favorite number. It didn't even start with Beckham. It started mm. with Cantona. I'm a little mm. man. I should be ashamed. But mm. yeah, I love I love mm. Cantona, man. Swagger. Mm. His younger David Beckham. He gave him. He blessed him with a number seven shirt. Like Beckham, everywhere you saw seven, you saw his shirt. Like. He was the guy, the first superstar footballer. The footballer that made me mm-hmm. realise not only do I support my team, Liverpool, because, yeah, I'm Michael Owen, Liverpool, that was my team. It also just made me realise I'm a fan of all of these individual superstars. So, mm. for me, it was like a like Beckham, um, for, Beckham for United, obviously, and then for even Chelsea, Zola, um, Newcastle, like a Fanta Esprilla. You know what I mean? Like everyone had different kind of superstars, but I think Beckham was the one who really set that trend yeah. off. I think he was well. a guy, man. I think um, being the baby of the pod that like we spoke about, we said earlier, um, I think I should speak on it because obviously, obviously I'm 20, like 26, as I said earlier. Um, I actually don't remember Beckham playing for United at all. Um, I remember seeing David Beckham, Real Madrid, um, AC Milan, Paris Saint-Germain days. However, I feel like if you ask a lot of people my age, especially like growing up in school, a lot of man thought Beckham was overrated. Um, now, I always used to argue and say, why do you think he's overrated? And people say, oh, you know, he's just a model. He's got the, he's got the David Beckham colognes and X, Y, Z, blah, blah. And I was like, brother, but he, he plays for Real Madrid. You don't get to Real Madrid for being good looking. Do you get me? Like, you must no, be cat. good. Actually, must actually be good. you do. You do. You have to be good, but also, because remember, like, famously, you probably don't know this, CJ, but they did not sign Ronaldinho because he was ugly. They literally said... Um, yeah, that's actually true. That's actually true. You can't, go on, you can't get on Real Madrid if you clap. But yeah. there was a caveat with you actually need to be amazing at football as well. Do you know yeah, what's mad? Yeah. I, I seen a mad thing about like, uh, you know, no, 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 this ain't a part for that. It's a film part. But um, it was just about R- R- Ronaldinho going to United and it, but then Barca swooped in. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, true as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, Beckham. yeah, I, I always used to think that, you know, Beckham was the guy, but I didn't know until I got a bit older and done my research um, without the duck how much of a guy he was. I didn't know that he was robbed of a Ballon d'Or in Listen. the treble winning season. Could um, I just say one thing? Yeah. You move on. If Beckham stayed in the Prem and spent the rest of his peak, but obviously I didn't understand the context of like his mental health and all of this. We'll get into that. But if he did and he played to the ability level that he was, it wouldn't have just been... Uh, a Gerard Lampard Skulls thing, they probably would have been like Beckham, then Skulls, Gerard Lampard, in the terms of having that young midfielder conversation. Because remember them times, like Beckham as a captain, we had them ama- amazing midfielders, 
But who was mm-hmm. our captain? Who was the mm-hmm. who were we all going to? It was David Beckham. You had all of these men in their young fit fighting prime, and David Beckham was looked at as the leader for a reason. When was the free kick goal? Was that 2004? 2001 going into I wanted to say I wanted to say 2001, but I was like, actually, could yeah. it be? Was it one? Yeah, because you got into the World Cup that didn't it? Or was it? I thought it was the Euros. No way. No, the Euros one was 2004. That's, wait, wait, am I getting my timelines mixed up? All right, well, search that and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about how can I, how can I... David Beckham disrespect gets me incensed here because word to what Jude was saying, he was the captain ahead of these other midfielders who were also great. And if you actually look into it, he was, it wasn't like he was like, oh, I'm mad older than them. Like, he wasn't like a mad uncle to them. He was like a year or yeah, two older. Was, yeah, and he'd been on. He'd been on since young. Like people rating him, and I was right by the uh, way. It was two thousand and one. Oh, yeah, I thought yeah, so. it was going into two thousand and two World Cup. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, carry on. Sorry, just quickly. Um, he was just he was just a don man. Like I said, I at like nine ten, I decided I was going to be an Arsenal fan. Yeah, and there was a couple man on that United team I had to grudgingly respect. Yeah, mm-hmm. Beckham is one of them that I look at and I think this guy is teched out. Like his passing range, his ability to control the ball, all of this stuff, yeah. And it's only through watching the documentary at a much older age that, yes, I knew that the media was onto him, but I didn't realize how barbed and how sharp it was. And some of the stuff they were saying that would actually crush it. Like mentally, he's a lot stronger than a lot of people realize and give him credit for. If that happened to a lot of players, it would crush them. It would be game over, bro. I can't, but Scully, one thing I wanted to talk about, yeah is the mm. contrast with Posh and Bex and Diana because it's it's crazy. Princess Di- Diana existed, like she was a phenomenon like in the royal family in our country would probably never see something like that. But the combination of Posh and Bex had probably like the weight of a Princess Diana. That's that's literally what it felt like. So for me as a as a child and like like Skelly said, I didn't understand how deep it was, but I could see as a young boy, I'm looking and I'm like, they're treating this guy so horribly. I know myself, I could be in school, someone might tease me, everyone laughs, I feel bad. Every single person in the world was cussing this guy and I, and every time I was... Swear, is that what it was like? Yeah. I had a, I, empathy for him. That's what see, what's mad, yeah? I didn't know they were treating him that bad because in my head, I'm not even taking the mick here, there's a load of heroes here. There's a certain man who... Mm-hmm. Like Seydorf was one of my first footballing heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Vieira, obviously, Burkamp, Henri, like these type man. Beckham was in like he was in those echelons as high or higher than a lot of them, yeah. And in my head, I was like, this guy's a superhero. Like I couldn't even fathom that normal people's opinions would would affect him. Yeah. Like I said, it's only now that I've got older and I see him as like a normal human man who worked very hard at what he did that I'm like yo that must have sucked but as a child I was like what he don't care what you lot say this is David Beckham bro are you crazy this is the greatest number seven player right now to me yeah because I'm I'm literally on the polar opposite because I think it's because my brother was a Man U fan my my mum was a Man U fan my mum used to I've always watched football with my mum she always used to basically like coach me through what was happening which weirdly Mm -hmm. enough so when it came to David Beckham, she always used to just say, oh, they're treating him so horrible. They always, like, 
Remember the like the effigies? I didn't even know that it was is in yeah. end that, that occurred. I don't remember. Like yeah. when it brought up, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot. But like that was so horrible. There was no one, no one else. And my first footballing example of someone being harassed by the media is David Beckham. I've watched so many different other like documentaries where you might learn about people in the seventies the and their issues and what they went through. But Beckham was on a whole extraordinary world scale level. Like yeah. it was really hatred for that. It guy, seemed man. it man. And like, you know, kind right. of like my initial thoughts when I, when I saw the documentary, because the turnaround was really quick. It's like, the, like here's the trailer. Uh, the whole thing's dropping in two weeks. When I saw it, I said, yeah, it's goal time in it. Like it's goal time. Um, I see, I like the way he, he they, they, they kind of, because a lot of people gas up the Wemb- the, the Wim- Wembley, the Wimbledon goal. Um, obviously, it's it's a cold goal to gas up, but like, I didn't want them to spend too much time on it. So I'm glad they opened with that. Um, first episode though, bruv. Yo. Yo. They just made me realise why is my guy even more. Listen. They made me realise why is that guy. And this is a this is the thing where I'm coming from a different perspective. Obviously, I'm a United fan, but I've not known Beckham at United. I've only known Beckham as this like worldwide global star who plays football. Because that's what it was. Do you get me? That's what that's what it was when he got to when he got to like LA Galaxy and that. Do you know what I'm saying? He was a worldwide yeah. star and he, and yeah, oh he played football. But he, he he wasn't a footballer. Oh, and then he's a worldwide star. Like he just he was doing his thing and oh yeah, I do this on the side. Do you get me? That's so mad to me. So like, I, do you know what? I get it? No, I do understand that. But what I would say to people younger, yeah, like you said, like you argued with your friends in school, yeah. Do you really think you get to play for Real Madrid, PSG, AC Milan, bro, Man United? To man. This is what I used oh, to say to man. He can't. Just by being needy, bro. I said he These teams don't have no passengers, bro. Can't be, he can't be like a, like, remember when you said Jennifer Lopez is the, 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 like, she's middle of the road at everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Middle of the road and play yeah. for all them teams, bro. Impossible. It's impossible. So, so one thing I'd say in defense of that as well is you've got to think of the ages. And that's why it's like so pivotal that we, it's, it's, it's pivotal in terms of your perception. If you're born like, what, is it 1998? Like, like you, you are CJ, right? 1998? I'm, 90, I'm 97, but yeah. Yeah, 97. For mm. me, 93. Scully, 93. Damn. We literally got five years. Like, I, I remember, I think I even remember the paper or, and the Sky News. Yeah, yeah, I remember the paper because when they showed on the documentary. Is when, like, I remember everything, like every, like everything, all the pictures, all of because we didn't mm. have social media sometimes, so it's like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, and you know what though, and this is the thing I know you said about his mental health, yeah, but because obviously it wasn't like a thing back then, and that's so mad to think about. Like it just wasn't like oh, oh maybe he's not feeling all right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I love like how even in the documentary, they just they just flew over it. It was like mental health wasn't a thing back then. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you know what it is for me? I feel like, and, th- and this is what I will say, I feel like now you see like people like Raheem Sterling and and, and Jaden Sancho to, to a degree. Jaden Sancho's getting it now online and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's I, what I always I, say about football. Like, I feel like if Beckham was, was on social, if social media was about, I think he would have crumbled. 100%. I think he would have crumbled. Cause, yeah, because it's a lot more visceral. You, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, there's a difference between 
me reading a paper from one journalist and saying, okay, maybe people agree and blah, blah, and hearing it on the street here and there. There's a difference between someone directly atting me. No. You know you what? I don't, and, I don't think so. The reason why I nah, say... I think that is... You know, it's, I think it's... It's mostly for courses. I think they're both different, yeah? And they're both as bad, yeah? But what you have to deep is... Sancho still has the papers and all that going at him now, yeah? But... Mm-hmm. He's for Beckham, even though he had that, he could turn those things off and yeah. go to training. Don't play the radio. You put on a Spice Girl CD. Da, da, da. Oh. You can block it out to an extent. No, bro, you can block it out. If you don't listen to the radio and you don't buy the paper, block it out, obviously no. you'll see people, you'll see people, they say stuff here, yeah, but it's not the same as Sancho has a device here yeah, that puts all the news that people say about him, everything people say about him goes direct into his path. To him. Like It's not even like... That Beckham could at least try to get it for an hour or two a day. I, 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 do you know why? Because now we have millions of things, millions of impressions, so many things to think about. So whilst I agree with you, I have to disagree because them times it's like the only thing he can he can think about. Like to avoid would be to basically go cold turkey. And like he was explaining in the documentary. If he was to step out into any sense of normality, he's reminded instantly. At least maybe now in the social media era, you can turn it off and maybe put yourself in spaces where, where they'll be like, yo, mental health, this guy doesn't need this right now. We're safeguarding him. For Beckham, it would probably be like, yo, he's going through it. But he needs to do better. You know what I mean? He like We need to... They're probably not thinking, oh, we're going to just take your mind off it. It's a constant reminder. You're David Beckham. You're, you're I hear it. I hear it. It's horses for courses, by the way. I think I think they both struggled. We have to agree to disagree. So. I think I think they both struggled, and like it's an incomparable struggle. I just think it's much worse. You like you see it like in youth today, like the effects of being able to see all of this stuff instantaneously, and I don't want to take it to a dark place. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak about like the things that go on, but like yeah. the way young people are affected by cyberbullying and like doxing and all of this stuff is so visceral. Whereas like yeah. like when we were a kid, yeah, if someone don't like you in school and they start a room on you, yeah, cool. Everyone in the playground will hear that, yeah. But then like you you actually finish school, and you go home, and you don't <laughs> you don't think about it again till eight thirty the next day. Like nowadays, yeah, someone that like you start a rumor, yeah. I, I remember actually there was a there was a person in school, yeah, a girl who didn't even go to our school, I went to a boys' school, yeah. People started a Bebo page to hate on her. So it was peak. Like I the, the school cracked down on it. They had to do long detention. A couple of them got suspended for a few weeks because they're like, right, like when this girl goes home, she opens up the computer or whatever, all of this goes on her phone. Uh what was the what was the internet called? Then GPRS or whatever. This is what she's seeing. Like, this is what she sees straight away. You don't get no respite. But mm. Beckham is strong. Like back to Beckham, yeah. we need to we need to give him his plaudits because yeah. I think we know we know how handsome he is. We know how great he is at football, but I don't think people give him a lot of credit for how mentally strong he is. Yeah. When when because so obviously in the first episode, the first episode ends with um him getting sent off at the World Cup. Now I actually didn't remember that. Um, obviously because it was the year I was born. Uh, the year after I was born. But I spoke to my brothers about it who are older than you guys. One of my brothers is 35 and my other one is like 36 or 37. Um, forgive me, Chris and Kieran. I don't actually know your ages. I know, uh, I always forget. Um, and especially my older brother, Kieran, he said to me, he was like, yeah, I just remember it being mad. Like, every, you'd see it everywhere. 
like you'd see him he, he like he said all the things you see you see with people saying that we're gonna like hang him with the Beckham seven shirt and that that was all happening. Like they people thought that England team were gonna him. go were gonna do it in it. Threatened to they threatened to kill him, sending bullets to Manchester United. Bullets, not just a bullet, bullets. Yeah, yeah bullets is crazy. Sending like, bullets is so crazy, bro. Bro, he was booed at every single ground. Like obviously Saka, right, yeah, straight. the situations that he was going through, they're they're totally different. You can't you can't put racism on the same level as that stuff because it's a different issue. However, like Saka was actually supported when he got back into stadiums. Like fans, well, majority of fans tried to be like, Yeah, he's gone through, he's had a tough summer, but he's you know what I mean, we're gonna try and support support. Yeah, like, bro, even his own fans were booing him. This is the thing. Yeah, like he wasn't he wasn't loved anywhere. Every single place they hated, man. It's tight, man. It's tight because I think again with the sack situation, it was harsh probably because he went home and he had to look at his phone. And I think what Arsenal did super well is that they, they sifted through all the positive comments and they printed them all out and put them on a wall for him. So the first time he went back to chaining, that's the first thing he saw. <laughs> but when it comes to Beckham, that like 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 they said in the documentary, mental health was not as well understood or taken seriously. We're only talking like under thirty years back here, yeah, but it just wasn't a thing. Like, people didn't know what anxiety was. They didn't like understand depression to this level. But he just had to get up and deal with it. And it's even worse when you look at the context of the incident. Like Simeone was onto him. Simeone actually had fouled him. And yeah, he, he kicked out, lashed out. Obviously, he shouldn't have done that. But unfortunately, he was punched for it. And I think it's a big factor and probably why he had to leave leave the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it puts so many things into perspectives. And obviously, we're invested in, in this as like football-heavy fans, appreciators of documentation like this. But this just even kind of put into perspective for me why I really like documentaries and the actual form of it. I think this is one of the, like the strongest sports documentaries from like a points of interest and how it was even pieced together. But overall, what did you think of the direction of Beckham? And also like, what's his name? Fisher Stevens. Fisher Stevens is the director, right? Isn't yeah. he? He was... Uh, he directed a, a, some of Succession, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He uh, acted in Succession acted, as well, right? Yeah, he was. Um, he was. I'm trying to remember the actor. And he's acted in. And he's acted in uh, most uh, Wes Anderson films. Yeah, yeah. he's he's hilarious. Uh, it's quite it's quite bad because I really like him as an actor. Like he's one of those characters who's not that necessarily the was main Hugo guy. Hugo Baker. Oh, Hugo, that's it. He was in. I didn't. I haven't seen the night off, but I've heard really good things of it. The night off is amazing. The night off is amazing. You were the but, one um, that to me, yeah, I remember. That. Fisher Stevens is one of those guys who, like, he pops up in films, and you think this guy is hilarious, mm-hmm. but he's not like really ever the main guy. Yeah, and it makes so much sense that he's like a director and a producer and does all of this stuff as well. Because yeah. yeah, I just think I think he's uh really interesting. I think he's really good, yeah. and I love I love a sports documentary as well. Yeah, I love a sports documentary. Just quickly though, before we touch on like sports documentaries, just to touch back on 
kind of um, how it was portrayed. Did you like the way they portrayed like um, him and Victoria's relationship? Because that that to me is like a true, like it's almost like a fit. They could make that into like a romance film. Well, like yeah. him, him traveling hours to see her. Because yo, listen, being from out of London, Manny is far, you know, to drive. <laughs> I um, went to sleepless nights. I do think it's romantic. Um, I think there's a there's a combination of things. I think people forget, yeah. That was just the that was the lick then. When Gary's talking about that, what did you talk about on the phone? I'm thinking, Gary, you ain't got no bitches. Like, <laughs> like, when you're a teenager, that's I what you do. Say we're we're not calling any women bitches on this part. I'm using it in the colloquial uh, you know, okay. tone, that's that's you fine. know, like in a very nurturing way, not in an actual misogynistic way. Okay, that's fine. No offense uh, to all our lovely women ex listeners. Mm-hmm. Guy never ain't got no bitches though. Because when you're like 17, all you do is phone girls, bro. Like, like what do you mean? Like, and you're a bit, you're, you're a bit I was younger nothing. than us again, CJ, yeah. But so you don't remember, I don't think you remember the Vodafone thing, the, the Virgin Mobile thing where you like, you have to use a certain amount of minutes in the week to get free weekends. Remember that, G? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember that. But you know what? My brother was doing that. But I, I my thing, my yeah. first experience talking to girls, BBM. You get mm. me? So. But I see, BBM was good, but I'm even remembering MSN days. Oh, no, no, no. Tell a lie, tell a lie, tell a lie, tell a lie, tell a lie. Yeah, MSN was I used good. MSN as well. I used, the, right. I used MSN and then BBM came straight after. And if you had a camera them days, yeah, you were lit. I didn't have a camera, oh, but my bro, brother, my brother, old money, had a little camera, yeah. And he had a little six pack when we were 13. He was showing the girls on webcam, you know. You had to, you had to take Man, off his camera that's before he gets to mad. That's what the guy would do for me on Emerson. You get me? Come on. Hey, listen, I, like yeah, Beckham no, was a true chap, so he's a true player of the game. It's yeah. Different. But yeah, no, honestly, like as, as CJ was saying, like, um, I think the way, the way the documentary was pieced together was was really strong on the aspect yeah. of the relationship stuff. Do you know what I liked as well? Sorry, just to cut you, Jude, really yeah, quickly. Yeah. I liked the fact that they showed, like, do you know when she's like, oh, we grew up really working class, and he come in and said, what? It was like, say, be, be real, what did your dad drive in it? And, like, it's press Because those things happen in it because some people want to portray a certain way. But in relationships, it's like, bro, Fix up, man. Like you, you weren't working yeah, class, bro. Yeah. That drove a Rolls Royce in it. Yeah, I love, I love that banter. You know what it was? It gave me like <laughs> I've never really used that term. Like the, it's it's given, but it's re- it was really given like Romeo and Juliet. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is giving. Hundred percent. Yo, real. It was. It was 100%. like yeah. It, it yeah, do you know what it was? Do you know what it was giving to use the, use the same phrase? I want to ask you like a question um, about them too. I feel, I feel like it was a bit like not. I don't want to say Lady in the Champ yet, but you know, like it's always them traditional shows where it's always one of them is working class, one of them yeah. comes from a higher class. You know, one's a bit more ruggish, the other one's yeah. a bit more used to fire things, and they they both get used to something. Yeah. You can tell there's actually genuinely a deep love for them, and I love that they showed that part of the story because there's many things that we we think we know about their relationship there's things that are implied but all we know is what they show us right and from those candid moments which i generally do believe were candid like the working class yeah. thing and like from and them dancing in the kitchen 
And from them talking about the times they grew, it was easy to see that, yeah, there were times when it was hard and maybe they didn't get along as much as they always had. But then there was also times where the love carried them and the love yeah. for each other. And there yeah. was genuinely a deep love. Can I ask you a question? Wait, can I Obviously, ask, one, could I ask one quick question to add to what Scully was saying? So, like, Scully, I was thinking, I was thinking this because this documentary made me feel so many things. I did not have an inkling of any of the... I'd say, like, quote-unquote, not even quote-unquote, straight-up, like, misogynistic perceptions of stuff. I I never looked at their relationship and, and thought, ah, oh, Posh is bad. He She needs to leave him so he could focus on his football career. I never once thought that. These well, this is, I, I didn't think that, but do you know what's a different thing as well, Jude, yeah? First of all, I think we're both raised, I think everyone here actually is raised in a household that's like a bit of a matriarchy, right? Like you've got women yeah. who are part of leading the household, yeah? Ghanaian oh, culture, yeah. that's what it is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, CJ was, was shaking his hand until, head until I explained the word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, like, a nuclear I, family? No, yeah. no, no. Women it's who take up leadership roles in family structure, yeah. yeah? So already from then, you're seeing the world differently. Like you already understand women are as important and as like as great as men yeah so you're already in a different playing field to what the consensus is in the west we, like we're all born under patriarchy all of this stuff second of all me and you are the exact right age to have seen the absolute peak of spice girls when we got together when when we watched beckham and uh and posh get together sorry yeah mm-hmm. she was much bigger than him Yep. Are you dumb? Thank growing you. up, growing up, my Thank older cousins, yeah, they had Spice Girls on cassettes. I remember playing uh, Mama, I Love You so much. I've ruined the cassette. Yeah. The tape had come up. I've got to put it back in the spool with the pencil because my cousin Susan saying, yo, you're not going home. I'm not letting your mom take you home until you fix my cassette. I said, right. Like, I know how big they were. Do you get it? Like, what, what, what with a pen? You this put is it my, this is my thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is well. The same way I said, Beckham, Beckham couldn't get to Real Madrid with, with just being a dead baller. I said this when, when I was talking about Spice Girls. I said, bro, you're not understanding. When they first met, they went on a world tour. You don't go on world tours if you're just anybody. People forget People forget that um, Spice World was internationally released. Like, it was, they were actually huge. They weren't some, like, some they little like, fish. They weren't like, Saturdays. Do you get me? <laughs> yeah. I love that you put a name on that yeah. bullet, but I hear it. You're yeah, not, you're not, nah, bro. They were like, like, did you get me? Like, 1997, bro. And I remember watching this film, like, as you, it's probably one oh, of I watched it the other day, actually. As a, as a you should probably review that next week, but like, <laughs> literally, like, bro, they they took over the world. It was called Spice World for a reason, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah I think people don't realize they're the biggest, the biggest. Uh, selling girl group of all time. And they're bigger question. than the Temptations. They're bigger than Destiny's Child. Anyone you want to bring, they're bigger than them. Twitter, bigger than yeah. TLC. Bro, they're the biggest yeah. selling girl group of all time. Just quickly, bro. you see so when many... you like, see when you like, yeah. were were um were obviously you like saw them two get together. Mm. Did you ever think like, oh, that's fake? That's just for the cameras? Because that, no, that's again. what. When when I was when, when when I seen it at first, I was like, I would have thought you two are just together just because money marries money, in it. No, but see, you gotta think when they got together. I'm like seven eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like seven eight, and to me, even though Posh is bigger than Beck here, 
in my head, Bex is still Bex. He's still a superhero. So even though I know the rest of the world yeah. ain't on football, like a young boy from England is on football, in my head, the relationship already makes sense. And then yeah. I've watched what Beckham has done since they've been together. So even though I didn't probably understand it in a business and marketing economical perspective then, I'm understanding it, I'm seeing it because when I'm a kid, I was a sneakhead from young, yeah? I liked um, Jordans. I've loved Jordans. I had my first pair of Jordans when I was like 11, 12, yeah? David Beckham, when I'm like nine, I'm already paying attention to Jordans, yeah? David Beckham has got the Adidas Predator boot with a fucking outline, silhouette of him. Do you get it? Like the shoe, the the thing on Jordan is that silly wear. It's not even Jordan, but I've recognized it. Like it's a big thing in basketball. Yeah. And no, sorry, it is Jordan, sorry, but the, with the laces outside. It, it does, it definitely is Jordan. It is Jordan. Sorry, I'm getting conflated with Dr. J on the NBA logo. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's got to figure out. But Beckham's done that himself, like with the kick. And they, they've, like, I just have to put it out like this. I'm thinking, this guy is a superstar because we don't have that in football. And he's like, Remember, I'm watching Pepsi adverts. He's there. You're watching movie premieres. He's there. You're watching, you're putting on the TV. He's there. I'm thinking, rah, this guy has become a thing. So it didn't not seem, it didn't feel fake. It felt like it was the perfect marriage. Bend it like Beckham. Da, da, da. He was on that path. Victoria accelerated it. And it's almost like they've taken the share when like the other one hasn't been as active. So I can. Bex probably eclipsed uh, Victoria in like 04, 05, but then he retired. And then she came back out with the new clover line. She's doing Vogue, all of this. She's doing yeah. bits in the fashion world, like at the end of like the, or the beginning of the 2010s. Yeah. And I just and now to say, yeah, I, bro, I, I, I loved her. As a you, I loved her. Victoria Beckham, yeah. Victoria Beckham and Mel B. Oh, did you melt five girls that I loved. <laughs> like literally, like, I think he was young as a British born Ghanaian. He had a lot of unlearning to do. No, I still haven't learned like that. I I (laughs) love that woman. Like what? Like in every, every single way, she has been amazing over life. And after watching that documentary, I respect it. I respect it more because David Beckham, obviously football tribalism was probably at his peak for us in the late 90s to like mid or even yeah late thousands you know what I mean like that was peak football tribalism era era. but even from when he was at Manchester United it felt like he was our England guy you know what I mean because every time he stepped on the England pitch he, he wasn't playing for Manchester United he was playing for us and so yeah as you said yeah. it was a perfect marriage of two people who are stars of their craft mega stars in the making if if he didn't go down this route of being that david beckham i still think he goes down as one of like the most talented british players ever you know what i mean like that's that's what it is but you can clearly see he's someone that has always sought more and it started with his own kind of just like swagger and then yeah he, he wasn't afraid to go against the grain. Yeah, she she just like spiced it up, <laughs> literally, pun intended. And this is what we get. But yeah, man, I think the one thing that we probably shied away about talking, and I want to probably move on to other like sporting documentaries next. But 
ability-wise, just to put this into perspective for you, um, CJ, and the listeners, I would say Beckham is easily the best passer ever. Like, I even though I think... Do you know what I would say? Passes, there's better short-range passes, like... But like passing in totality, he's the best, yeah. Exactly, Scully gets it. In totality, he's the best passer. And so his technique for free kicks, I would only say... Juninho is better, like slightly. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And do you know what it is? Yeah, the other thing I would say as well. Yeah, to your point, uh, Jude, is that there's certain players in football who I can't think of too many. Yeah, but there's certain attributes you're not gonna convince me. There's any like you can't tell me there's a better dribbler than Ronaldinho. You can't tell me that there's a better assister than Ozil. Like, like I don't care about stats. I'm just talking about what I saw. And to what Jude's saying in terms of passing, you can't ever tell me there was a better passer, like yeah. switching the play, diagonal, whatever. You can't tell me that there was one better than Beckham. Wow. Like I've the watched it. I've seen since that has given me Beckham vibes, even though I've seen like uh, a De Bruyne, a Gerrard, a Lampard, I've seen them pass longer than my man it would be Trent. And that's not me even being biased. Trent has that range, but still Beckham is probably more clutch and, and better, especially when it comes to free kicks, when it comes to a certain type of passing that would... I hear you. That winning, that winning decision, Beckham, yeah, it is Beckham. I hear you. I'm not going to get mad at it, but what I will say is, if you were to ask me who is the best right midfielder, because I know we don't have a lot of right midfielders anymore. It's like double pivot, single pivot, two yeah. tech, like, da-da-da, all of this. But if I was doing old school 4-4-2, yeah, and I needed someone right midfield. David Beckham is the best because he can run the channels, he can come into midfield, pick the ball up. People don't deep as well, by the way. He could actually pick the game up by the scruff of the neck. I know. Like, listen, 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 chill, Scully. You're going too in. The way you said 4-4-2, this is a film podcast. Yeah. Sorry, 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 guys. Sorry, man. Sorry. You got me. You got me. All right, cool. Back, back to the documentary. Back to the documentary, yeah. Documentaries, can we at least list well yeah there's two questions I wanted to ask actually one mm-hmm. what are your favourite sporting documentaries because sport is so varied there's so many out there and two what are your favourite football documentaries or even biopics right can oh. I go first yes can I go can I go sport biopics as well yes you can alright Moneyball number three. Oh, good one I'm going to go The Last Dance number two. Yeah. Yeah. And number one isn't out yet. Which is? The LeBron James documentary. When that comes. Okay. That's the greatest. No, listen. When that that comes, that's the greatest sports documentary of all time. I do not care. My my man's got 18 years worth of content. Even a little bit before then. Yeah, clear. Clear. The best one hasn't finished yet. Huh? Messi's, Messi's will unfortunately be greater, bro. It won't. It really won't. I think they'll both be amazing. I think they'll really both won't. be amazing. It really won't. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I'd put, ge- nah, genuinely, if I had to rank, th- if I had to say three, uh, f- top three, being real, I'd say, um, yeah, I'd say Last Dance number one, Moneyball number two, and then I'd probably say, um, the Alan Iverson documentary I watched when I was young. Love that. I was going to say that, you know. The Alan Iverson documentary I watched. Or Hoop Dreams. I really like Hoop Dreams. Hoop Dreams yeah. is great. Fantastic. Oh, 
Um, yeah, guns, gun. So I love Thirty for Thirty, right? It's an American documentary like, series. Yeah, I just think they make the best best docs. I think I've seen nearly every Thirty Thirty. They're all on Disney Plus actually as well. So good. Yeah. And um, the one that I was gonna say was the Alan Iverson one. That was fantastic. Um, I don't think it's a 30 for 30. I can't remember what Netflix's like version of that is called, but they've got one on um they've got one on Ron Artest punching the bricks out of that fan <laughs> and changing it <laughs> to Metal World Peace. Oh uh, yeah. is, that, is that is that the one that the, the limited Netflix series on the Malice at the Palace? Yeah, Malice yeah, at the Palace, like yeah. It's um I need to find the name of the documentary thing. It's I think it's called Quiet Storm. Yeah, or no, it's called Malice or something like that. Like, like, and then it's got like loads of different ones. Shout out to as well the Aaron Hernandez ducks. Obviously, Great. fuck Aaron Hernandez because he's a pussy. Oh, um, <laughs> but um, no, I really liked his documentary. Like, you might as well. Sorry to interject, but I might as well slap Last Chance You in there. I haven't put Last Chance You is fantastic. But yeah, that is. So I haven't watched it, man, and I really. Last Chance You. I need to watch a football one. I only watch the basketball ones, but I, because yeah. I, I like basketball before I'm sport. I'm not that yeah. into NFL, so I struggle to like connect to NFL content. But I, yeah, I even sorry, need to get into the uh, Drive to Win series on Netflix because I visibly noticed. Oh, I, I know that documentary is going to be Drive to Survive. Yeah, I know it's going to be amazing because I visibly <sighs> watched that. I nobody growing up. That many people, at least, used to be into F1. I'd say it would probably be like 10% of people I knew. Drive to Survive came out, yeah? And I'm not joking when I've said I'm seeing F1 fandom go up. It feels like 200 Yeah, no, no, no. I got into F1 yeah. through through Drive to Survive. That's so funny. So there you go. There you go. The testament. Yeah. What's that, I, side, dude? I put my mom into it because, yeah, she... Well, Schumacher was our favourite F1 driver, like, mm-hmm. growing up. Yeah, man. But I think, yeah, so my my documentaries, this is going to be a bit of a nasty game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to mm. feel nasty saying this. But I eliminated um, The Last Dance because on review, I don't think it's the greatest. I think it's very skewered. It's been, definitely been like, it's, it's felt like a narrative was shaped. Oh, no, 100%, 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, this actually uh, leads to my last question, so let's not talk too much about it. I was going to say, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just I, from I that, just from that um, when you say now it has been shaped, Michael Jordan actually approved that documentary to go ahead when LeBron James beat the seventy-three and nine Golden State Warriors from three-one down. So mm. yeah, he's a nasty mm. man. Anyway, carry on. That's mad. And then yeah, my other two. Uh, this is this feels nasty, but I'll be honest. The um, Alex Ferguson documentary, I thought is brilliant and I've the it's it's the way that man's mind works. It's like it's like a map. It's it's like he has a roadmap to memories. Cause you can ask him mm. like, oh what are you what were you doing on this day? And remember you had the stroke as well. So but this is after the stroke and, and the incidents mm-hmm. with his health. You can ask him a date like oh what was your fourth game for Aberdeen? And he'll give you the exact exact date, exact time the stadium, mm-hmm. it will be able to list like the team sheet. That's how precise his memory is. He'll be able to tell you the names of the players' parents, 
their occupations in in some cases like they were listening of so many different things that it was just like wow this guy is a walking library and i can see why he's held as being like probably the greatest manager ever manager in every sense of the word so i definitely suggest like yeah i'm even saying this as a liverpool fan and it feels nasty to say but yeah and there's even a moment in the documentary where it shows uh like a little part where he basically states i'm here at manchester united to undo the greatness of liverpool like by the time i'm done here i want this to have been the most successful club and obviously he had like his first it's almost several years of adversity before they ended up winning the FA Cup. And mm-hmm. yeah, the rest is like history and stuff. But yeah, that is hands down one of the best documentaries I've seen. The other one is Diego Maradona by Acid Cabadilla. That is such a crazy documentary. That's a documentary that just made me feel like it changed my whole perception of Maradona. And again, like I was even saying about Last Dance, this may be have done to upraise certain characters and yeah, but it's a, it's again, it's a documentation, the drawing of so many different things in order to show you the reality of this man. And even starts off by basically showing like a scene building up to his transfer to Napoli. It shows the whole of Naples and the beautiful town and the city and the, the landscapes and whatnot. But then there's this moment where like one of his former coaches basically says there's Diego and then there's Maradona. And it's like, Mm. there's these two characters in which that he had to fight throughout his whole whole career. The humble boy back from like the town in the Medellin in Argentina to, I think that's the the town anyway. I must've got it wrong, but yeah, to this phenomenon called Maradona. And yeah, that is mad. It's, it's mad. Pele's got an excellent one, but you actually led me to my last question, I guess, on Beckham, because we've waxed so lyrical on sports documentaries. Actually, I do want to go back and get a lot of you guys' favourite biopics, like, so not yeah. documentaries, like real films, and I think it's important to ask, because the di- there's a distinction, right? And I think my last, I think Last Dance actually, like, actually teeters on the line of our, our biopic and mm-hmm. documentary because that we're saying I mean, everything does, has been approved yeah. by LeBron. Like he's had to okay everything. He's had to be like, yeah, Jordan, Jordan, I want Jordan. this in there. Yeah, uh, with Jordan, sorry, yeah. And um, whereas, <laughs> sorry, um, whereas um, with this, I think the Beckham documentary approached some really nasty things that happens in his life, and I think there's some things that gloss it glosses over, right? So it glosses over and the cheating. I was going to get to the cheating, but that's not even the biggest transgression because I think that could be almost like we're keeping this public. And he doesn't say I didn't do it or I did do it. They just said, mm-hmm. we want it to be between us. It's our relationship, yeah. which I understand. It's us. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, whereas, true. yeah. Whereas there's moments like when he's talking about what was going on at Real Madrid and people not liking him or like, yeah. even like the fact that he had actually signed to LA Galaxy, but tried to leave to go to Milan once he realized that, soccer at that time was dead yeah like really and truly obviously they did address it but like Mm -hmm. really and truly let's be real that's a ginnels david (laughs) you've just signed a contract somewhere they've made you the star player breaking the rules for you all of this kind of stuff you've got there you realized everyone's shit and he said fuck it i need to go back to europe like yeah and that's in hindsight you can maybe look at that and be like 
bro, yeah, you that's that's a bit disrespectful. But the state of the MLS were was that bad then, and I don't think people were were deep in it. So fair play to him. The other thing I'd say, I do agree. Yeah, like a biopic is a very different thing. There's one type of, I would even say it's indie. There was like a a moment, a moment in time in which I was just watching old football content. And I came across an old film, and this was the year Super Chillin' died. Um, mm-hmm. Just just like listeners' notes, guys. There was a website called Super Chillin'. It saved Epic a lot of lives. It saved a lot of lives. It, a film could come out in cinema, and Super Chillin' will have it in HD the moment the film was released. Like, the no night cat. I, don't, I don't know how. I don't know who or where or, or why, but they just did. So yeah, just, they don't make him like that no more. They don't make him like that no more, bro. He needed a password. Yeah. I remember Jude had a password, and he used to he used to bust a man them. These times, I think he was still in uni because it was me and a friend of ours called Blau. We lived together, and I remember Jude. Jude used to be tight with the password. Sometimes he change it and he kick everyone <laughs> off. Yeah, and text him and be like, "Hey Jude, what, hey, what's the password?" He'd be like. Mm. Don't tell no one. Yeah, don't 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 tell anyone. Don't text it out. Yeah, I was moving like it like it was like I like I had a line basically. But yeah, like the one of the last films I I watched on there was a film called Helena. Does anyone know of that player? No, Helena. So Helena was. This is a 2011 film, by the way. Helena the Freitas was a footballer, a Brazilian footballer. Who used to play for, I think it's Bot, yeah, Botafogo. He used to play for Botafogo, and this guy was just an incredible footballer. When he played for Botafogo, he had like two hundred and thirty-five appearances and two hundred nine goals. And this is like the early, early Brazil before, before Pele and them man, like nineties, forties Brazil. But he was such a controversial character that he was just never ending up being picked. And like, this guy was basically like a superstar, a superstar Mm. in Brazil. And Brazil have always loved and cherished their footballers. But he was like the first kind of, would you call it? Like rock star. Mega star, yeah. Yeah, dating like famous woman, proper womanizer, mad like lifestyle after pitch, like drugs, alcohol, but when he was on the pitch, he was just like an absolute problem. And he played like, he played like striker, central defence, um, a defensive midfielder. And I just found it so fascinating. And it was like, he, I learned so much about this guy and the film kind of like faded away. But interesting enough, the guy who plays him in the film is Rodrigo Santoro who was actually in Lost and in Westworld, if you guys remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Who does, just who really does he play in Lost? Film. What? Who does he play in Lost? Oh, who does he play? I thought you said Spain Lost. <laughs> yeah, like, who does he play in Lost? Paolo. Paolo, oh yeah, I remember who that is, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think he was just there for like one season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very interesting one. Do you guys have any like weird football films that you've seen? Nah, Nah, I was just gonna say that um, the thing that makes a good the 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 line between documentary and um biopic is 
it's it can it can be thin, yeah, and you can it can be crossed quite massively. Obviously, something like the Blind Side, where they got entire actors in and fabricated yeah. parts of the story, or it can like straddle between both, like Last Dance, the Last Dance, and then you can get documentaries that are nurtured, like the Beckham one, and you can see that they've shown us to put him in a positive life. I'm sure he okayed a lot of it, but they've held a strong narrative. And this is like a celebration of everything he did in football. Like, I'm sure if they wanted to, they could have brought in more negative stuff, but they really wanted to be like... And I think it's good they did, because like I said, I... Yeah, I really like David Beckham, and I think he's underrated in how good he was as a footballer, because people remember all the other superstar stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, even just my last point on, on all of this... Yeah, as you said, I think it was such a celebration of him. I think if we had concentrated too much on football, even though as football fans we would probably that much more disappointed, it takes away from him. And as he's maintained throughout all of his career, and I think one point that he raised in the second episode is the fact that he knew after football he would need a life. And he was always thinking about the untimely end, even as like a young 22, 23-year-old man. So with that kind of perspective on his career, he ends up investing in all of this, meets the love of his life, and they invest in in each other to become this. And yeah, what the most of the world know and love. There was one red flag I wanted to bring up, but I think we've almost run out of time. Go on, bring it up quick. You were saying that in the documentary, there were some things that he overshadowed, like you were saying about the you know, the incidents at like Real Madrid and AC Milan, LA Galaxy. But one thing that they they shied over was the fact that he was integral in bringing the Qatar, the World Cup to Qatar. Yeah, they he didn't talk like about that. Actually. One of the, you know, the you know why? Because that would have gotten bare, I know that would have gotten bare hate. I, like, you know, I didn't even know that. You know, like that is that is like such a massive thing. Like that yeah. basically changed the state of World Cups forever. I do think part of why they took that out was also because um, the, obviously until earlier this week, CJ is a Man United fan. You know, the rumors were that Qatar was going to buy Manchester United. We're, we're still, we're still hopeful. We're still hopeful. But why are you still hopeful? Fabrizio came out and said it's done, bro. That's, that's, done. That's, that's great, man. It's dead in the water, bro. Let go. Let go, man. Anyway, um, I think because that was still on the cards up until like literally three days ago, David was probably like, Yeah, probably don't put that bit in because just in case. Like just just because right, obviously right. he even declined to comment. Like there was a rumor that he was gonna be an ambassador for the club if they had bought it, all of this. So if you have the guitar stuff in the documentary and then they buy United, it's looking a bit. And like, let's be real, part of why he left United, I'm sure a lot of it was the media in England were horrible and he had to get away. I don't downplay any of that. But part of it also is, Fergie was such a great man manager because he was a, he was a man manager and part of man management in his style, it's not the only style, but some people's style is to like, not break down their players, but break down their egos and you lead them, right? And Beckham had grown an ego that he deserved, rightly. And I don't think at that stage, him and Fergie could have coexisted much longer. Like one of them had to be the boss. You get it? So 
Yeah. Um, I think you know why I feel like he's tapped though because years later his players still call him the boss. That is insane. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. You can tell that he did such an effective job of breaking down their ego. And did and did 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 Victoria Beckham give him the name Fergie? Then that's what I wanted to know. That's so believe funny. It, you know? That's so funny. Yeah. Um, you know what? Like, oh, go on. No, actually, let me not let me not even talk too much. It's all, all right, right, I was gonna say, Scotty, quickly before we get out of here. Um, what do you want? Top three, top five biopics. Yeah, well, top three, top three would be top three. Cool. Jude, go first. Oh, on the spot. Yeah, no, so it would have to be Diego Maradona. Um, Biopics, by the way, so acted, yeah? Oh, acted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? I might have to think on this one. This will take me longer than five minutes because if we're saying, like, top five, this will take... All right, cool. I've got mine. i got mine. I got my top top. I'll give you top three. Go on. Bohemian Rhapsody. Love it. Mm. The Wolf of Wall Street. That is definitely a document. Cold. Yeah. Yeah. And Ray, number one. I've cried. Like, I cried tears to Ray. I was going to say Ray, but there's one that I wanted to shine a light on that I don't think people are going to talk about. I told you it was amazing. The figure skating thing with uh, mm. Margot Robbie. I oh my that- God. No, no, no. I'm, I'm removing Bohemian Rhapsody. Molly's game. That's my number three. <laughs> that film is insane. I'm so sorry. That film's insane. That don't film's crazy. Huh? Oi, don't kill me. Don't you know what? You don't think, you know what? You don't it's think good. that no, it's great. It's great. It's great. When you when you said biopics, I was I was trying to strictly think football. That's why I was so mm-hmm. overwhelmed. But you know what? Just just to fly off the mind, I would probably say American gangster. Is one of mine. Cold, um, yeah. Don't disagree. What is the other one? Public Enemies. I really like that. I obviously my man is finished, but that is really good. And just for the sake of recent times and not drawing this out, Tetris. Tetris is hard. I I was. I want to watch that. Yeah, I need to go and watch that. Watch yeah. you, you guys will enjoy it. Like it's it's good. It's good mental food. It made me think of. A, and I forgot about I forgot about Till. Yeah, I know you guys will never ever watch it, but Till. No, no, no. Is... I want to watch that film because you don't see anything in it. You don't. It's not black Bro. trauma. You don't see the trauma. What? Bro, Till. That even just me remembering it just made my heart heart sink. And yeah, I also have a soft spot for a house of house of Gucci and the founder. Cool. Go on and Scully. What's yours before we get out of here? Yeah, Itonia. I always have to shine a light on Itonia because I'm not into figure skating whatsoever. And when I watched that, I was like, yo, I brought a whole new respect to them and mm-hmm. to those that do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to keep it more modern. I'm going to think of ones that I watched, like, growing up. Ones, obviously, you said Wolf of Wall Street. Um, 127 Hours was a mad film growing up. I really liked that. Uh, Hidden Figures was quality. Mm. Yeah, man. I would have said The Blind Side, but I don't like The Blind Side no more. Because it's fake. Yeah. Last King of Scotland. Let me shout out Uganda. Last King of Scotland. <laughs> cool. Well, Last King of Scotland, are you dumb? Well, listen, so I'm going before anything because, all right, guys, I'm starving. All right, yeah, cool. I'm Let me just tell them, yeah, make sure you follow up, like this, share it with your friends. Next week, we're having our London Film Festival review episode. Cold. 
Yeah. yeah. CJ, tell him bye. In a bit. Podcast Network.